0: The dense fog it creates brings the downfall and destruction of its confused enemies. Ocean currents are the source of its energy. Although it's called the Guardian Deity, terrible calamities sometimes befall those who recklessly approach it. Hi, everybody. This is the first official episode of Dragon Dance, a Pokemon podcast. What you just heard earlier were some Pokedex entries on one of the Pokemon that I'll be covering today. I am your host, Santiago. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you're new to this podcast, welcome. This is the podcast where I go over each unique Pokemon type combination, when they first appeared in the series, and all of the Pokemon with this type combination, and any interesting facts or competitive relevancy. The last episode was an introduction to the series and to myself, and today we'll actually be diving into the good stuff. As you can tell from the title of this episode, today I'll be covering Water Fairy, and I chose this as the series' first type combo mainly because of my wife. Shout out to the wife. She's a really big beach person, loves to go on walks around the nearby lakes where we live, and if she could, she'd want us to live somewhere right on a waterfront. And she really likes the fairy type. Some of her favorites are Togepi and Primarina so it's only fair for this to be my first episode. But anyways, on with the show. So, what's so impressive about the Water Fairy slash Fairy Water type combinations? Well, I'm glad you asked. Water Fairy boasts an impressive six resistances and one immunity. Those resistances are to fire, water, ice, fighting, bug, and dark, while the immunity is to dragon, which is my favorite typing, It does, however, have three weaknesses, those being to Electric, Grass, and Poison. But all things considered, it's not a bad combination. It has more resistances and an immunity than it has weaknesses. It's also impressive on the offensive side, too, hitting six types super effectively, those being Fire, Ground, Rock, Fighting, Dark, and Dragon. So overall, it's a really good type combination, whether you're using it in a casual playthrough or on the competitive scene. Okay, so... Who is the first Pokemon or Pokemon line with this type combination? Drumroll, please. It's Merrill and Azumarill! Both of these adorable water rodents first appeared in the Pokemon series in Generation 2. Just some FOI if you are unaware. The fairy types didn't really exist until Generation 6, so for four generations, they were just pure water types. Meryl also has a pre-evolution stage, Azuril, but for some reason, this baby Pokemon doesn't really have the same type combination as the other two. Azuril is a normal fairy, which is a little weird, um, which is another combo that we'll be talking about in a different episode. But to completely be completely honest, I was a little surprised when I got back into the Pokemon series in Generation 6. And I found out that Azumarill and Meryl were given the fairy type. Like, to me, there wasn't anything fairy about them that stood out to me since they were based on a mouse and a rabbit, but blue. I think this was mainly because at the time, I thought that fairies were required to have pink in their color scheme. And I I guess that really goes to show that there's no real mold for the fairy types. In fact, one of the strangest Pokemon, in my own opinion, to receive the fairy type was Mr. Mime. Like, really? Mr. Mime? Like, why though? But I digress. Uh, I think I've spent a little bit too much time on why this is a fairy type. I'll probably talk about some of those fairy mons in a future episode. But, anyways, back to fairy water, or water fairy. Meryl is known as the Aquamouse Pokemon, and Azumarill is the Aqua Bunny Pokemon. Both of them have the abilities Thick Fat and Huge Power, and the hidden ability of Sap Sipper. Thick Fat allows them to take half damage from fire and ice type moves, but considering that these two mons already resisted those typings, it's a little bit redundant unless you really, really don't want to take any damage from fire and ice. Their hidden ability, Sap Zipper, is very beneficial. Sap Zipper in Generations 5 and 6 would raise a Pokemon's attack stage by 1 if they were hit by a grass type move, but... In generation 7 and onwards it made it so that the pokemon was completely immune to grass type and would raise their attack by one stage the distribution for Sap Sipper was low and some mons with this ability already resisted the grass typing so being immune to grass wasn't that big of a deal but for meryl and azumarill that brought their total resistances and immunities up to eight and only two weaknesses and they got a boost to their attack if they were hit by Grass. And they couldn't be put to sleep by things like Sleep Powder and Spore. Which, if you're new to the competitive scene, were widely used moves that would incapacitate your Pokemon anywhere from 1-5 to turns depending on the generation. Leaving your Pokemon vulnerable and a burden to the rest of your team. But to Azumarill? Nah. Immune to that and a plus 1 to attack. Okay, so its final ability for Meryl and Azumarill is arguably its best ability, that being huge power. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I meant HUGE POWER! This ability doubles the attack stat of the Mon with this ability, and only an elite, and I mean the elite group of Pokemon have this ability, those being the Azumarill line, the Diggersby line, and the Mega Mawile line. <laughs> so, under normal circumstances, Meryl's attack stat isn't anything that impressive, but with huge power, it can become a really hard hitting Pokemon. Paired with the right attack boosting moves like Belly Drum, this thing can cause damage. Alright, on to the next Pokemon. So, Merrill and Azumarill have existed since Generation 2, but they weren't really Water Fairy until Generation 6 and onwards, so we didn't really have to wait that much longer until we got the next Mons with this incredible typing. The next Water Fairy was none other than Primarina. This fabulous sea lion mermaid hybrid Pokemon is the final form of the water starter Popplio and Brion from generation seven. Primarina, I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's a pretty fun Pokemon. It draws inspirations from various sources to create this incredible powerhouse. Visually it's half sea lion and half per- mermaid. And I say half mermaid because after an hour or two of researching uh, sea lion anatomy, I found out that their tail slash hind flipper area Is a lot thicker than what's represented on Primarina. Also, Primarina's tail is a lot more fish shaped, so I take it it was probably inspired by mermaids. Also, Primarina's whole thing is that it's an opera singer. Its Pokedex entry calls it the soloist Pokemon, and according to various dictionary sources, a soloist can be a singer, musician, dancer, or performer who performs a work of art such as music or dance, which is why it's called a solo. Furthermore, Primarina's name is derived from Prima Donna, which is a lead female singer in an opera company and ballerina, a person who, well, dances ballet. Um, (laughs) sorry. I felt like I was giving some kind of class presentation there with that furthermore and looking up dictionary sources. Um, But personally, I think it's really neat that I'm learning all of these things outside of my, like, scope of interest through Pokemon of all things. I would have never thought that I'd be interested in learning about, like, operas and opera-related terminology. But, here I am. (laughs) Anyways, Primarina's signature move is called Sparkling Aria. And what it does, it creates uh, an orb of water above its head using its voice. Then launches it towards an opponent as it bursts into bubbles and damages its opponent. This is a sound-based water attack that also has ties to the musical world. Arias are solo pieces that are accompanied by an orchestra. This is common in operas when there's a pause in the dramatic action, like when the character is reflecting on their own emotions. The gimmick of Generation 7 was Z-moves, and all three final stage starters got their own signature Z-move. If Primarina knew sparkling aria and held the Primarinium Z it would be upgraded to the stronger Oceanic Operetta. Okay, okay. Enough about Primarina lore. Let's talk about abilities. Like all Water Starters, its normal ability is Torrent, which boosts the power of Water-type moves by 50% if Primarina is at a third of its health or less. So, you better hope your Primarina can tank enough damage to even get that low of health before you even start seeing the benefits of Torrent. And let's be honest, that's a really mid ability. Unlike its hidden ability, Liquid Voice, this is the signature ability of Primarina and turns all sound-based moves um, into water-type moves. There's only about like 10 moves that Primarina can use, and only two of these uh, are actually strong enough to be used in battle, those being Uproar and Hyper Voice. But Hyper Voice does target both opponents in double battles, so more trainers opt for Hyper Voice rather than Uproar. Unlike Torrent, Liquid Voice doesn't require Primarina to be on such low health for it to be activated. It's always active, which is pretty baller. After doing a lot of research on Primarina, I've actually gained a lot more of an appreciation for it, so I guess that's pretty nice for me. Alright, on to the next one. The next Pokemon with the Water Fairy type is none other than one of the four Guardian Deities of Alola, Tapu Fini. This legendary Pokemon was also introduced to us in Generation 7, and it was, it was Fini's Pokedex. Um, this Pokedex entry is the one that I read at the beginning of the podcast. Generation 7 was a little weird, and I say weird because it was the one that started to break the mold from previous games. They didn't use gym leaders, they had island trials instead, and usually Pokemon games like to introduce a trio of legendaries, like the Birds of Kanto, the Beasts of Johto, etc., but Generation introduced its first ever legendary quartet. Generation 7 took place in Alola, which was composed of four islands, and each of those four islands had a guardian deity. All of those deities had dual typings, with the fairy being the one that they had in common, and Tapu Fini is known as the land spirit animal, sharing this category with the other Tapus. Its name is derived from Tapu, which denotes something sacred or holy in several Polynesian cultures. And Fini comes from fin, meaning, well, you know, like, fishmen. Things that they use for swimming, balancing, and steering. Tapu Fini resembles a purple clam with a swordfish nose, and when and when its shell opens, it reveals this humanoid creature that looks like a mermaid. It's got a black body with blue hair and white markings. <sighs> What can I say about Tapu Fini? This thing is a beast. It's a legendary Pokemon, so its stat total is a lot higher than the previous Pokemon that I covered in this episode. Its highest stats are in both of its defenses, so it's uh, so it's a tank. Its normal ability is Misty Surge, and its hidden ability is Telepathy. Telepathy allows the user to avoid any damaging moves from its allies. This is the on- This is really only useful in double battles where you would have an ally Pokemon alongside Tapu Fini, and this prevents it from being hit from by spread moves like Earthquake or Discharge. But to be honest, even though Telepathy is its ability, not a lot of people want it. You know why? Because its regular ability, Misty Surge is far superior. When Tapu Fini is brought out, Misty Surge activates and creates the Misty Terrain on the battlefield. And let me tell you why Misty Terrain is a beast. This thing has the power of dragon type moves, so it's useful protecting your teammates. And it prevents Pokemon from touching the gro- it prevents any Pokemon touching the ground from being afflicted with status condition. Burn? Nah, son. Paralysis? Get out of here. Sleep or freeze? Nope. Poison? You thought. Even though confusion isn't really a status condition, you can't get confused under Misty Terrain either. The only catch is that in order for you to gain all these benefits, your Pokemon has to be grounded, meaning that they can't be flying type or have the ability to levitate. And if a Pokemon is already afflicted by a status condition like burn or paralysis before the training goes up, they'll remain burn or para- uh, paralyzed. But other than that, this ability is pretty OP as defensive support. Alright, so how do these mons do competitively? Oh, right, 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 so just as a disclaimer, I'll only be covering things from a VGC side of things, which is the official battle format for Pokemon. They do double battles. You can bring a team of six to a competition, but only four to an actual match, and it'll be 2v2. Cool. Anyways, so I'll be looking at every team used at Worlds since it started in 2010. And this is no hate to the singles format, but this makes it a little bit easier on me in terms of research. So, in 2014, Azumarill was used by somebody who ended up in the top four, and so far, that's been Azumarill's only appearance at Worlds. Unfortunately, and this hurts me, Primarina has not been used at any World Championship team that's made the top eight. As for (laughs) Taipofiti, well, like I said earlier, this thing is a beast. So the first year that it was allowed was 2017 and it made an appearance on six different teams across three different age groups, juniors, seniors, and masters division, even being on the first place team in the masters division in 2018, it was featured on five teams in on five teams across two divisions, seniors and masters. And in 2019, uh, it was also on five teams throughout the juniors, seniors, and masters division. But the difference that the difference this year is that it was on all three winning teams. What a boss! Standing ovation for Tapu Fini. As for me, uh, I think I'm kind of average when it comes to VGC. I've definitely used Primarina and Tapu Fini in Sword and Shield. Uh, they were both bulky and provided great support for my other Pokemon, and Primarina could really be a powerhouse when it was set up properly. Azumarill, I remember using it in X and Y, but I was still pretty new to competitive. So I didn't do too well, but Azumarill is available in Scarlet and Violet and the other two aren't. So I might make a team around, uh, around Azumarill and that's it for the Pokemon with this type combination at the time of this recording, which is April of 2023, there's only four water fairies and it's totally possible that Pokemon could add more in the future. And I'd love to talk about them if, and when that does happen. But that does it for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I am your host Santiago. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aztec dragon and and I also made an Instagram account for this podcast. You can follow me up there on at uh, the Aztec dragon as well. And if you like what you hear, please give this like or a review depending on where you're listening to this at. I'd really love to improve this podcast in any way that I can. so if you leave feedback, I'll read them and I'll try to improve as much as I can. Thank you guys so much. Uh, In the next episode, I'll be covering the creepy crawlies of the jungle. Uh, The next episode is on bug grass. Anyways, thank you guys so much. I'll catch you guys in the next one.